you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I just, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm a really a nice guy. <laughs> Back once again under less than ideal circumstances, but somewhat expected circumstances. Anthony Leone, my man, welcome back. Thank you. I don't, I don't know how expected it was, but nonetheless, I'm glad to be here. I don't think it was expected. I think, I think at a point, everybody thought that you were going to win the league. I think people thought if you could survive this week with the roster you had, that you were going to win the league. Are, are you going to say at the very beginning of this episode that that wasn't how you felt? Um, I mean, I, I know in any week, anyone can have a bad week. I mean, we've seen that a number of times with a number of teams that were really, really good. Um, when we last spoke, you had highlighted week 14. Now, I had more I had more people on my team with a week 14 by previously, but you know, J- JT was was mm-hmm. one of the main guys that we had had highlighted for week 14 and and so I knew if I could get through week 14, especially with my fab budget that I'd be in really good shape, but you know, I I didn't make any guarantees. I I was I was concerned uh heading into the week even though I told some people I, w- I wasn't concerned, but I, I really kind of was a little concerned. Um, but, you know, it didn't work out, but I still had a, had a blast all year. So in that sense, it was a good, really good season. Yeah, it was late. The buy for Jonathan Taylor was going to be late, and we knew that. But it wasn't just Jonathan Taylor. It was Jonathan Taylor, and it was Michael Pittman, two guys who had been big staples on your team early and often throughout the season. And I, I definitely think if you could have survived this week that you probably would have been on the inside track to win the league just based on, you know, having Jonathan Taylor most weeks, I don't want to say it's an advantage over everyone else because he can get outscored on a given week, but it's, it's almost like having Travis Kelsey at tight end where you're just locking in a certain level of production. And that's one less position that you need to worry about, unfortunately. You know, he was, he's on by this week and it was just, could you survive this one week? And you said it, you can go out on any given week because anyone can either have a great performance that you don't see coming or a stinker of a performance that you don't expect. And unfortunately you were in more of the latter this week, right? Yeah. And, and not only, not only did I have a really good roster, I also had almost twice as much fab as anyone else. Right. And, you know, you're looking at, the remaining players like pretending pretending I was still in it you know let's say mm-hmm. let's say Curtis went out you know I would have gotten an RB2 easily um if sure. if if Sully went out same thing um you know most teams left have a really good running back that I would have been able to grab um that would have really rounded out my team even even more so yeah I was pretty much really hoping on getting through this week because then I, I had felt like my team would, would have been really tough to beat. But even still, you know, a, a, a down week can happen even with the best team. Um, I've, I've actually I've played in some concept leagues with, with just two owners before. I've, so I've, I've, I've done a similar thing where it's, it's, it's stacked roster versus stacked roster. And so I, I've had some experience in that realm in a concept league I was in. And there were, there were times when, you know, you have, everyone has a stacked roster and you just have a bad week. There's really nothing you can do about it. So, you know, I, I, 
I really shouldn't have even really been here anyway. I mean, week two, <laughs> I, I barely got through. I felt like the whole year I was just kind of playing with house funny anyway. So it was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, it does it didn't work out, but it it was still fun. I will say in support of this league, there's not another league that I'm a part of where people who are, and in this case, truly out of it because they're not setting a lineup, but even in your standard dynasty league or redraft even more so, when you have those teams that at a certain point it's clear they're not competing for anything, they're still setting lineups, hopefully. And if it's a dynasty league, they're still kind of looking at standings to see where are those draft picks falling but they just sort of fall off in terms of activity in the chat. And I will say, maybe this is guillotine leagues in general. Maybe this is specific to our league. I think a lot of people who haven't been setting lineups for a couple of weeks now are still pretty damn active in that chat, which is, which is really a testament to, I think, the owners that we have found for this league, but also Sully sort of cultivating the right group of guys who are going to stick around. Yeah, Sully did a great job getting getting the right people in here. I mean, this is this is easily one of my favorite leagues that I'm in. Um, and I, even though I I didn't make any bids this past week, I went through the the transaction board and you know kind of saw what people did, and so I was still engaged with it, even though I was I'm not really even in the league anymore, because uh, I am interested to see who who ultimately takes this thing down. So he just gave Sully a compliment. So now let's just turn that coin over for a second. I feel for a number of weeks, there's been a lot of attention on you for various reasons. Let's just say that. I think Darcy's been talked about to a fair degree, given the success that his team has had in terms of the number of points they've scored. Yeah. I think Curtis has been talked about somewhat for the miracle worker aspect of staying alive as long as he has. Maybe some of the things he said in the chat as well. And you know who has kind of just slipped to the back of people's minds and hasn't really been talked about is the man who set this league up himself, Sully. Have we possibly all just been hoodwinked into not watching Sully and realizing that maybe he's about to come in from left field and just take his own league? Is that, is that happening? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's fair. I, you know, I, I think Sully has gotten, gotten a little lucky. <laughs> Uh, he got he got lucky with his Cooper Cup pick. He'll he won't admit it, but he got lucky with his Cooper Cup pick. It's very bold of you to call someone else lucky. You realize this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Okay. But he had, he got a little lucky with that. Uh, you know, I remember the first the first episode. You know, you you guys were laughing at his team, he, himself included. The running backs were bad. It wasn't a very well rounded roster. Now it's an eighteen team league, so everyone's team isn't as you know well rounded. Mm-hmm. But Javonta Williams has, you know, kind of pulled through form in recent weeks. Cooper Cup is really what, what really saved him. Uh, Wall, Waller had a good start to the year, and, and that kind of saved him through the early weeks too. So, you know, he, he got a little lucky with, with some of his moves, but that's not to say he's not, you know, doing a good job. He's doing a great job. Every, everyone alive in this league is, is, is doing a great job. Um, I think I think the person not talked about out, out the most is is probably James. Yeah, and you know it, James, I, I get maybe because he's not as active in the chat. He didn't really make any any big roster moves this week on the waiver wire either. But you know I was looking at his team, 
a lot of his players still on his team, he drafted. You know, he he and I don't want to turn this into the James show, but you know, he drafted Zeke, Connor, Swift, uh, Hunter Renfro. I mean, a lot of these guys that are still on his team, you know, it's because he he took them. And I think that I think I think James needs needs some credit as well, just for being able to draft a, a pretty 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 damn good team, uh, all things considered. I mean, with his 18 team league, and he still has a bunch of stables that you know he took. So I thought that was kind of cool. I I didn't I didn't think he did a great job on the waiver this week personally, but you know he he has a he has a solid team. So it, it's it's going to come down to the wire either way. Yeah, James isn't really talked about as much. You're right. And I would assume that is, like you said, maybe by a product of the fact that he's just not as active in the chat, which is fine. Everyone's busy. I, I, I get that for sure. I almost wonder if it gives him a little bit of an advantage out of sight, out of mind, when people are thinking. I mean, obviously for a while, for better or for worse, people were thinking about you and when you were going to go out, you know, because you'd had a couple of close calls and because you'd been a little bit vocal about the times you've been able to escape and some of the trades that you'd made, you kind of had a target on your back for better or for worse at that point. You know, James doesn't have that target on his back and you're right. He does, he does have a pretty good squad. The things that I think could theoretically get him, like you said, didn't really make moves on the waiver wire. Adam Thielen, assuming he's out this week, which I think is a fairly safe assumption to make. I think that's going to hurt because if he could have Thielen, he could roll out Tyreek Hill Keenan Allen and Adam Thielen and that's pretty damn good right there you know that's a that's a really solid trio it's also got James Conner who I'm hearing different things back and forth some people who think he's going to be okay and other people who think it's unlikely he's going to play this week so I hope James can stick around I kind of feel like he's maybe the feel-good story of this league if there can be one at this point you know the one who's not running his mouth in the chat quietly, just setting his lineup, making some moves. And like you said, maybe he, may, maybe he ended up drafting the best team by a product of the fact that he hasn't had to massively overhaul his team at any point to be around in the final four. Yeah, I think, I think of the remaining teams, his is the weakest. I think if you want to root for an underdog, I think he, he would be the guy to root for. Um, and, and he drafted – a good team too. So, I mean, I, I think he, he would be a guy to, in that sense to root for, but I, you know, I want to give a, a tip to the hat to, to Curtis. I, I loved his waiver moves this week on the wire. I thought he got a lot of great, good value. Um, I think James missed an opportunity to make, make a better roster this week. And I think Sully also missed an opportunity. Yeah. He got JT. He got, he got my boy. But he has a lot of players that he could have dropped, and he could have upgraded his team. And Curtis just went through and just took all the easy pickings from everyone. Uh, so I, I think Curtis put himself in a, in a great spot this week. At this point, I, I say this as someone who's never been in the Final Four of a guillotine league, <laughs> but at this point, I, it's, it's not really about having the strongest roster. I think it's not having the weakest roster or, or having the best roster for this given week. And maybe you're correct in saying that maybe Sully didn't make the most of the waiver this week. But when I look at his roster, I have a hard time seeing how he's not alive next week. You know, just, just going down the line, Josh Allen against Carolina. If he plays, which I don't, as a Bills fan, 
I like to think they can win that game with Mitchell Trubisky. But I, I, I don't know that they're willing to risk it given that they, they, they've lost a few in a row and they re- really need a win. And then he's got Eckler, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor. Those four could all be in a 12-team league RB1s this week. That's going to be hard. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, I think, I think Sully's safe. I, I really do think James is, is going to be the odd man out here. Um, I, I just – I don't think he was aggressive enough on the wire. He, he, he tried to make some moves. I mean, I went through the report. He, he just didn't bid enough. I know he doesn't have a lot left, but, you know, neither does Curtis. And Curtis uh, was still able to get a lot of solid players. So, I, I think – I don't know if you were going to ask me who I thought was going to lose next, but it, it is, in my book, James is – is in, is in some trouble. And it's so late in the year where you can't really make trades. I, I was trying to make my own trades last week with, uh, with Curtis, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really hard to make trades right now because we're so late in the year. It's like, if anyone sees a, a weakness, why are they going to help the weakest league? You know, sure. they're going to let the, that guy just drown in the pool. Um, and so that was kind of what Curtis said to me was, Hey, look, I, I think you're in trouble. So SOL and good luck. And I, I respect that. I mean, this is, you know, the game we're playing, you know, to win and he wants to win too. And so when he, when he, you know, shooed me away, I, I respect it. Um, you know, James, I, I just, I don't know how he's going to get out of this hole that he's in right now. Um, you know, even though I think he has a good team, he drafted well. I just, I don't see it compete with these other teams that are left. That's my only, my only concern for him. So if you can try to remove yourself from maybe the trades that you made this year and just think about this from a, from a format perspective, do you think trades should have been allowed this year and are you in favor of them being eliminated next year as is being proposed? Well, I'm, I'm in favor of trades in general. Um, I, I don't agree with vetoing trades personally. I think that, if if there was collusion, then then that's a diff- different story. But mm-hmm. if if people are making moves because they think it increases their chances to move on, then I, I think it's fair game. So even in this kind of a format, in any format, yeah. I mean, in any 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 fantasy format, I, I don't I don't see how trades could be could be problematic. The only the only reason why I think trades are problematic are in you know big money leagues where people could collude to. Sure. You know, take down the pod and stuff like that. But with this, I mean, this, this, these stakes are so low. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone's doing anything like that to, you know, win a hundred dollars. I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see that being an issue. So, so personally, no, I don't, I don't agree with, with not having trades. Uh, but with that said, I do think now Sully jokes, I'm not going to be in the league next year. So. <laughs> Maybe this is really an outside looking in opinion. Uh, I do think the league should be on the guillotine league website because I do think that it's structured better for this format in general and they do not allow trades. And so I, I would be okay losing that to play on that format on that website where this is set up to be on that on that website does that make sense Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i think that's that and that's all very fair you know i think that's a a very measured response from you versus maybe what i expected you to say at that point you know (laughs) 
I remember the first time we had you on, you talked a little bit about how you, how you got into this league and that this was the first time you'd played in a league like this. Yeah. So having now gone through what it will be your experience in this league in terms of setting lineups and making bids and having to think about whether you're on the chopping block or not, is there anything that stands out to you as, this is my big takeaway in terms of strategy that I didn't know when we drafted? Yeah, I, I had no idea what to expect on bidding. Um, so week one, uh, you know, I, I spent, uh, I think, 55 or $60 on Michael Pittman. And I thought it was like a, a bargain. And, and, I, and, and then, you know, I find out in the report, I overspent by like 40 bucks. And I was like, wow, like, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I, I thought it was a good buy. And in hindsight, it was a it was a fantastic buy, you know, because he he turned into a you know wide receiver one, maybe high end wide receiver two for the rest of the season. But when I bid that much money on him, I didn't expect him to to return that sort of investment. I you know I expected him to be more of a wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. So you know, just learning the bid the bidding and and how much players are going to go for. I mean. When when my friend Evan, he was the first one to drop like six hundred bucks. You know, like he he paid four hundred for Aaron Jones, and I forget how much for Higby. It was a lot, but um, you know, I was never anticipating ever spending four hundred dollars. I thought it was crazy high, but then in following weeks, other people were spending like four hundred dollars from players, and I, I and it. It works. I mean, it, it, if you need that running back or you need that star wide receiver, I mean, it gets you through weeks. I mean, we saw with Stebbs too, with with Cordell Patterson, he spent like three hundred dollars, and mm-hmm. it got him through like a month and a half longer than I thought he was going to last, just because of Cordell Patterson. So, I think just learning the bidding, uh, I think that is a lot of valuable information, you know, going forward, and I think if we all kind of stick together and and play in the league a long time, I think everyone's just going to get a little bit better because they, everyone has a little bit more experience, you know, moving forward. So assuming that a player's overall fantasy value is going to be the top determining factor for you in a draft, say next year for the guillotine league, which of these things do you think you would weigh more heavily? Would you weigh, a given player's bye week more heavily or maybe what their first, say, first three weeks are, knowing that if you have a bad, a bunch of bad matchups in week one from your studs, that could be it and you could be gone. The same maybe in weeks two and three because you're going to have to spend so much that people just get outbid those first couple of weeks. So what, what will you put more stock in? The bye weeks that certain players have or maybe those first initial couple matchups or neither no i think the bye weeks would be the tiebreaker but when we're talking about just drafting a team Mm -hmm. i i want to what i want to do is just not do the steps approach i I don't want to have a lot of guys with the same bye week um so that's that's something i hope steps learned and and doesn't uh, you know do for going forward um I, I liked my draft. I, I had late bye weeks, you know, like Jonathan Taylor, DK Metcalf. I mean, all these guys had late buys. 
And so that was already part of my strategy. I, I didn't get a lot, you know, players on the same team generally. And so I think I'm going to still use those, the same, the same draft strategy I had in this league, even though it was my first guillotine, I'm going to use a lot of the same tactics that I use. I didn't really l- learn much in that sense from, from, from this season. I was, I was happy with how my team was constructed from the beginning. And I don't think I would really change in that sense. But yeah, I would be looking at bye weeks more than, than any particular matchup. So straying from this guillotine league in itself slightly and focusing on you a little bit more real quick, 49ers fan, correct? Yes, sir. I, I think there's an interesting conversation that either needs to take place or maybe it's already taking place, but I don't think it's happening yet. If we were to go back 12 months ago, I think most people hands down would have told you that Brandon Ayuk was worth multiple first round picks and he was going to be hard to get from somebody. And now if you fast forward, he's relatively easy to acquire and Debo Samuel, I think is going to garner similar value versus a year ago. It was hard to move Debo Samuel. So as someone who follows this team, who is the better long-term dynasty asset in your opinion? Oh, it's, Debo Samuel by by far. Uh, I like Ayuk, don't get me wrong, but Debo is just a staple of their offense, both on, I mean, running the ball. He didn't have as many targets last week, but I don't. I think that's kind of more of a, an exception to the rule. Um, you know, Ayuk kind of fills the gaps, but Debo is the is the centralized player. He's the more athletic player, and he can turn any touch into a 60 yard touchdown. And so from, in my opinion, from a dynasty perspective, Debo Samuel is far and away ahead of, of Brandon IU. Would you have said this 12 months ago? Because I don't feel like that was the consensus 12 months ago. I feel like people looked at, and maybe that was a bit of overreaction, but I feel like at the end of last year, Brandon Ayuk was the more, more valuable dynasty I had, asset. I had them pretty even. Did you? Okay. In fact, in fact, I said on multiple occasions, why draft Brendan Ayuk in the fifth round when you can draft Debo Samuel in the seventh or eighth round? Um, that was kind of my go-to all offseason, uh, you know, like in the, in the Roto Heat chat or um, with our friends at FYF. You know, they do the daily game shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had a chance to watch them. They're really funny, really cool guys. And that, that was my staple all offseason. So I was I was a huge Debo supporter in the off season because I didn't understand why people would pay up for Ayuk when you can get Debo for cheaper. And you know I I didn't view Debo as the far away you know favorite. I right. just viewed them relatively even. And so I was I was more of a, a Debo truther than an Ayuk pursuer. I just know in trades that I was making leading up to the rookie drafts this past year packages where someone would offer me Ayuk and I would say, can we swap out Ayuk for Debo? And I would just be told flat out, no, Ayuk is worth more. I value Debo less. I, I flipped the way that should have been said. Uh, they tried to offer me Debo and I asked yeah. for Ayuk and they said no, because they thought Ayuk was worth more. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think they were right. I mean, I do think at that time, public perception 
you know, viewed Ayuk higher. So and, you do think it's changed then the perception? Oh, it, oh yeah, it certainly has changed, and and the in the in the community has changed for sure. Um. So that was kind of a miss on a lot of people's parts there. And you're not concerned about injury history or fragility, if you will, with Debo? Uh, yeah, but I'm also concerned about Ayuk, you know, slacking off in the offseason again mm-hmm. and, and losing his starting job. So, I mean, every, each of these players have risk for certain reasons. But of the two, Debo, again, is, is just that much more dynamic, and he, he would be who I want. But now, you know, heading into heading into next off season, if I'm going if I'm going to do a startup, I'm not going to draft Debo in the first round or you know right. second round. I'd rather take Ayuk in the sixth or seventh round. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is kind of what we talked about last year. So if, if people get way too high on a player, then I'll fade them a little bit. But if they fade someone too far, then I'll be buying them up a little bit. So it, it kind of goes both ways. That's interesting. So you mentioned before that you believe that maybe James has the weakest roster. Obviously there are teams that are left who survive this week are going to add people next week. How, who do you think is at the, at the front of that list in terms of when we're looking at front runners, who do we think that is to win the league? Like who do I think was going to win the league? You mean? Yeah. Who do you think has the best shot right now? Uh, I, I honestly, I, I, it's impossible to say, um, uh, of, I, I would be surprised if James won. Okay. But I will not be surprised if Sully Darcy or Curtis wins. All of their teams are, are stacked. Uh, I think, I think Sully, if, if, if Josh Allen is okay, I think Sully has the best team. I mean, he's he's flexing uh, Najee Harris mm-hmm. and Jalen Waddle or, or Aaron Jones. I mean, his team is just – I mean, it's just – it's really good. If Gronk can stay healthy, if Allen can stay healthy, Sully has the best team. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier I, th- I thought Sully made, made some errors on the waiver wire. I think he could have – you know, he had enough money where he could have – you know, even if he would have – even if he would have missed Jonathan Taylor to, to Darcy, for example, he still had enough money to essentially keep Curtis and James as the two worst teams. You know, he could have, he could have taken Deontay. Uh, he could have, he could have taken, uh, you know, Pittman. Um, you know, so instead he let Curtis get those players and it, it really evened out those, those top three teams. Um, you know, so it's really, it's hard to say who's going to win. I, I don't really, I can't really predict it because I think all three of them have, have a good shot. If I just had a gun to my head, I'm going to, I'm going to take the team that has Cooper cup and Jonathan Taylor. So I'd, I'd say Sully, but man, any one of these three teams, you know, I left out Diggs and Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's what I'm saying. Like, Sully got Jonathan Taylor, right? But he let Darcy get Diggs and Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And he let Curtis get 
Um, well, he let him get Gibson, but he let him uh, get Michael Pittman and Deontay Johnson. So he basically just said, yeah, I'm going to get Jonathan Taylor. You guys get everyone else. Well, everyone else is really good. George Kittle. So I, I just – I don't agree with Sully's tactic that in this, in this last waiver run. I do think he has a good enough team where he may even have the best team where it may not make a difference. But I, I think he I think he could have played his cards a little bit better, just personally. But I, if I had to pick, though, I, I'd still say he has the best team and he'd win. Uh, even though Darcy and Curtis have, have, have almost an equal shot to him winning. I just I really just think James is, is the odd man out at this point. And if 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 James does go, rest in peace if that happens, who from his team would really even go to anyone? I mean, if you look at this team, like Keenan Allen, Ty, I don't even like Tyreek, like he's so up and down. Like, is he even really that coveted? You know, he's so inconsistent. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro, maybe. Other than that, I mean, his team just, it's just, it's a lot of like unattractive high floor, low ceiling guys. I mean, maybe Mixon would crack one of these, I guess Darcy could use Mixon, but I, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel for James. I, I, I wish him well, but I just, I don't see it happening. Other thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think it's interesting given we're so, we're, we're so late in the season, obviously only four teams left at this point. Yeah. And either earlier this week or late last week, Sully floated out there an idea for the league next year, which would include roster locks prior to the last week. So at a certain point, teams who are, and I can't remember if it's the last three or the last four would essentially be locked out from adding new players. They, they would still have obviously very good teams because there would only be three or four teams left, but that there wouldn't be additional additions made to teams heading into the last couple of weeks. Is that a format? Is that a change that you're in favor of? Yeah, I, I agree with, with everything other than trades. I understand why the guillotine league platform doesn't allow trades. I mean, mm-hmm collusion on a site like that would be really hard to prove you don't know all the guys you're working with like i get it uh but the guillotine league website has that right they they, the lineups locking is right um adding uh, during the week letting players be a free-for-all that's right i forget which which week it was when when uh tua was a was a late scratch and the guy didn't have a quarterback and he couldn't just add someone because the waivers already ran. Like, right, right. Like that's not fair. Like, I think I think you should be able to just add a replacement early in the season when a, a guy goes down, especially with COVID. Right. I mean, this, this past weekend, like, mm-hmm. I, I had I had Sony Michelle going Monday night, and I wasn't even for sure Sony Michelle was even going to play. You know, Daryl Henderson had COVID. Uh, what if Sony Michelle got COVID the next day? I wouldn't have had a running back. And it's just I just. So I don't agree with with how the the website's currently set up. So I, I agree with the Guillotine League format, having free players. And I do like how, yes, lineups would lock in the in the playoffs. And I like that for two reasons. One, I think that it would basically, you know, make the in-season moves more important because then you're making moves knowing that you need to, you know, have a roster built for the playoffs and be playoff ready. 
And a second reason why I like it is because then there's there's better options on the waiver wire every week because everyone's going to be rostering two or three quarterbacks. Everyone's going to be rostering two or three tight ends because if one of your tight ends goes down, you're going to need a second one to plug in. Right now, if one of your tight ends gets hurt in the game, you know you can just go pick up another one next week. But with how it's currently set up, you can't, you can't do that. Or you, with how it's currently set up, you can do that. You know, you can just, just go and do that. But if the playoff roster is locked, you're stuck with your team, the way your team is built. And so I think it'll help have more players available to other players um, that, that need help at certain other positions to kind of get their team right too. So I, I, I like that change. I, I basically, I like every change on the guillotine league website. That's why I'm saying I'd be in favor of moving to that website. Uh, the only thing I don't, I don't love is, is not having trades anymore, but I understand the the rationale to not having trades anymore. And I think that that would be an okay trade-off to use that site going forward. So a few episodes back when we were talking to Stebbs at the very end, gave him an opportunity to talk about something that he references a good bit, which for him is the edibles. And so I wanted to offer you that same opportunity for something different. And I want to say you give me as much or as little on this as you would like. Talk to me a little bit about veganism, being a vegan, because while it's nothing that I necessarily lean into in terms of something that I'm doing, the few times I've heard you talk about it, you seem knowledgeable about it and fairly passionate about it. So I want to give you a few minutes to unpack that for me. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's kind of funny. You know, I have a reputation of being like like a jerk and, mm-hmm. you know. People, well, maybe. People, people don't like my, you know, the way I talk and stuff. But I'm really one of the nicest guys you'll find. Um, I, I don't, I don't even kill a spider that's in my house. I have a little, a little trap and I, and I take the spider in the little trap and let him outside. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I just, I don't know. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm a really a nice guy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I make jokes and I make fun of people and I make fun of teams and I, I was talking crap about Sully's waiver moves, but I mean, to me, it's all, it's all in good, in good nature. It's all in good fun. Um, you know, Sully's response to me should be, Hey, look, I'm still alive. You're not. Why are you criticizing the moves I make? I I'm still alive. You're not. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I mean, (laughs) I can sit here and criticize his waiver moves all day long, but at the end of the day, he's still in the league and I'm not. So what do I know? Um, but veganism, I mean, for me, it's an ethical thing. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt animals. I don't want Mm -hmm. animals to, to, be hurt i don't think it's necessary i look at i mean a lot a lot of people who 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 laugh at veganism love their dog as a son or a daughter in their family and that's the way i view all animals not just dogs every animal uh you know i i see a pig the same way as i see a dog as i see a cow as i see a chicken as i see a spider and a lot of people don't really get it maybe they kind of get it for a pig, but not a spider. But to me, if I live my life, just knowing that I'm not hurting another animal, another being, I just feel better at the end of the day, knowing that I did my part 
and it's not perfect. It's impossible to be a hundred percent vegan. Uh, and I just, I just drove down the street and I, I may have killed a few spiders in the road. Right. So nothing's a hundred percent vegan, but if I do my best and within, you know, within practical terms, um, I just, I feel better knowing that I, I did what I could do, uh, to not make another being suffer. And at the end of the day, I, I feel better. And it's, it's just funny, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, someone posted a picture of a, of a, of a, of a what was it? I don't know, like a penis riding a bicycle. Yes. It had me chuckle. Um, I forget who posted that. And yeah, it's like, people think like I'm a, I'm a jerk and I'm really not, like, I'm really like a really nice guy like Stebs, but it's just, I'm more, I'm more opinionated and, and I joke around and I rub people the wrong way sometimes because they don't really know that I'm just kind of messing around or trying to get under their skin. But I like it when people, you know, shoot things back at me too. I don't, I know I have really thick skin. So, you know, I'm, I'm here for a good time. And, uh, I hope people don't take anything I say personally, because I mean, really at the end of the day, I don't want to kill a housefly. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt anyone. Um, and if, if I take a joke too far, just, just let me know and, and I'll, I'll make sure it gets ironed out. But, but yeah, that's kind of my, my thoughts on, on veganism. Well, I appreciate you sharing that very candidly, very, very, very honestly, honestly. And I would say that all, all jokes, all kidding, all somewhat remaining degrees of malice towards you, you know, that you are, you are definitely someone who I've never played in a league with before, who, who I would definitely say is a friend now. I would definitely say is, you know, you and I exchange, you know, just random messages about fantasy basketball rosters or... Yeah. Or other things that other things that we happen to see, and so in the same way that like I talk to Sully and I talk to Stebs outside of the league about stuff, I consider you in that same in that same arena. And so, no, I would say that you definitely you definitely put off an image in the chat. And I'm not saying there's not part of that that plays into your personality, maybe a little bit of a show, and that's all fine. But at the end of the day, I think everyone understands what it is in the chat, and that everyone realizes that when you strip that away that you're dealing with a good guy, or at least I would hope that that's what everyone realizes. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes I don't come off as very humble, you sure. know, cause I look, I, I think I'm really good at fantasy sports. I'm not afraid to say it. I think I'm, I'm really good at drafting. I think I'm, I'm really good at, at setting lineups and making, I'm really good at making trades. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I think I said on my, on the podcast before, like, that's my job. I mean, I make deals all day long. I, I'm a broker. I, that, that's my job is to make deals is, is to, you know, make come ups. I mean, you got to right. respect the hustle. That, I mean, I do it every day in, in fantasy football, fantasy basketball. It's no different. I mean, that's all I'm trying to do is play the game and, and win the game. Uh, but I'm also, I'm also a good resource. If, if people have questions, I'll, I'll give you my honest opinion about it and I'll, I'm going to try to help people out too. Cause I think I have, you know, I've been playing this game since like 1999. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And so um, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm the best or I'm perfect or I don't make mistakes. Of course, everyone does, but I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this game. And I, you know, I got lucky this year. I was, I was 0.22 away from being gone you know but 
you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, I never really looked back. It's not like I, it's like, you just have to keep, keep moving. You just got to keep making moves. You got to keep doing what you got to do. I made, I made a trade with you, made trade with Stebs, almost got a deal done with Curtis. I don't think it would have made any difference at my fate, but you know, it's like, you just got to keep, keep keeping on and, and keep making the moves. And that's just, that's just the way I roll. Well, I appreciate you making time to come back on here again and talk about things that transpired to your exit from the league. Give us a little background on some of the roster moves that you made and just kind of unpack the enigma that is Anthony Leone. So I appreciate you doing this again, buddy. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I, I would, before I go, I want, I want to make a couple quick shout outs real quick if I, if I have time. Oh, sure. Um, I want to give a, a shout out to Stebbs. He, he took Justin Jefferson like late second round. I took DK Metcalf ahead of him. That was a mistake. Hmm. So shout out to Stebbs on that pick. That was huge for him. Uh, even though Sully, I said he lucked out with Cooper Cup. Um, he, he took him at a, at a good value. And so I want to give, I want to give uh, Sully a shout out for Cooper Cup. That was a great draft pick. And then Craig. Um, Craig, I think is the last person to, to take a player that's still rostered right now, Cordell Patterson, like in the 13th mm -hmm. round. So I wanted to give a Craig, a Craig a shout out too, cause that was a phenomenal draft pick. And then my friend, Evan, uh, no money, no problems. Uh, he took, he took Dawson Knox, like in the 14th round. Mm -hmm. And even though he's still not rostered at this point, um, I mean, that was just a phenomenal pick as well. And so I just wanted to give. I wanted to give those four owners a shout out for just making incredible draft picks that had lasting effects throughout the season. All right, man. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll be in touch as the league wraps up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it all goes down. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Thanks.